Welcome to Solar Speaks. I'm Kelsey Misbrenner, Senior Editor with Solar Power World. When people buy a new home in a different city, they're typically given the phone number of the investor-owned utility that will serve them. They know they must call this one provider, supply payment information, and set up service if they want the lights to turn on in their new home. But in seven states, homeowners could instead have a menu of different local green energy options to choose from instead of just one IOU. This localized energy initiative is called Community Choice Aggregation, or CCA, which media outlets abbreviate for brevity, even though Community Choice Energy Advocate and coordinator of the California Alliance for Community Energy, Al Weinrub said, we never refer to it as CCA, as the words are very powerful and the abbreviation is very mysterious. The basic idea is that there's some legal framework within which uh, a city or a group of cities, a county, or some joint powers authority can take over uh, from the utility uh, the, the role of procurement. So uh, most utilities uh, procure electricity uh, or maybe gas too, uh, and sell it, you know, to customers, and also do the distribution uh, of electricity over, you know, transmission and distribution infrastructure. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the case of community choice, what happens is a public agency uh, can take over all the decisions about where electricity is going to come from. Okay. So that's that's the basic uh, um, proposition. So uh, utilities and CCAs can can play nice in theory. They can both exist in one. Yeah. Place. Well, they need each they other. Need each I other. mean, the, the beauty of a community choice law is to allow uh, for public control of all the important aspects of electricity and stuff like that, uh, while not having to worry about uh, taking over the infrastructure, which is often, uh, you know, old and outdated and, you know, so on and so forth. So, like, there are a couple of places in the country where people have tried to um, municipalize, you know, um, electricity, like in Boulder, Colorado. But it's been very problematic because, you know, you need... You need to, uh, as a public agency, you have to be able to either buy or somehow get that infrastructure, uh, which is a problem. For the, for the public utilities that have been around for a long time, I mean, they started out oftentimes building that infrastructure uh, on their own. But with community choice, you basically just sit on top of the existing uh, infrastructure. The utility still uh, runs it and maintains it and usually does the billing and everything else. But the crucial decisions about procurement are then put in the hands of a public agency. So, yeah, it is a private, I mean, it is a hybrid uh, type of system. Um, and I don't, you know, I mean, uh, I don't know how much was anticipated when these laws were formed, but I think it was a, a clever stroke of genius, at least anyway, to be able to make the important parts of electricity distribution um, or uh, procurement anyway public uh, while leaving the infrastructure in the hands of the utilities. And in a lot of the states where there's deregulation going on, uh, I mean, the role of the utility is more as a distribution mm -hmm. uh, utility than, you know, actually involved in the buying and selling of power. So that's the, that's the basic premise of, you, of community choice. And, you know, just to say that doesn't say too much. It just says put it in public hands, but doesn't say uh, what you can do with that. 
and then there are examples of really doing good stuff with that, and there's examples of doing really bad stuff uh, with that. But Can you give me examples uh, of, of each of those? Yeah, so I will. Um, the reason that it's got a lot of push from communities and whatnot is, number one, that uh, utilities in a lot of cases have very bad reputations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number two, that it looks like there's an opportunity to get uh, a cheaper, lower cost, and possibly greener energy uh, through a community choice program because uh, the utilities, uh, if they do have green energy, it's, it's probably procured under some kind of renewable portfolio standard mm-hmm. uh, law or whatnot, and it was probably a number of years ago. And so the prices of uh, electricity have dropped, uh, you know, solar power anyway, have dropped uh, dramatically. Mm-hmm. So they have these old uh, stand, they have these old contracts um, that if it's um, if it's renewable are quite expensive, and if it's coal or natural gas, it's it's you know it doesn't do much good for the atmosphere. So mm-hmm. you know for those reasons, uh, that's been the inspiration for community choice. So uh, the bad example to do that one first is Illinois, where you had hundreds of uh, communities went for community choice. Uh, systems because they wanted to get out of the control of, I think it's, I don't remember if it's consolidated, I think it's called consolidated Edison. They were basically producing electricity from coal-fired power plants. It was quite expensive, and then uh, natural gas fracking came along, made natural gas really cheap, and so a lot of people started producing natural gas power, so they said, oh, well, we can get cheaper, we can get cheaper power if we form a, a community choice program and we uh, get and we use for, for, uh, natural gas as a source of energy, which is uh, what they did, hmm. and then uh, they said, "Oh, and by the way, for those people who uh, who are interested in renewable energy, let's buy a bunch of unbundled renewable energy certificates and call that brown energy green." Uh, if you know what I'm saying, so. That that had a lot of pretty bad effects. Uh, what do you mean by unbundled renewable, renewable energy, energy certificates? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, a renewable energy certificate is just a certificate saying uh, that a uh, megawatt of electri- of, elect- of, of electricity uh, has been produced uh, has been produced, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, uh, and it and it's got to be renewable. So usually, what happens is if you're uh, that certificate goes with the electricity that that it represents. So mm-hmm. you produce a megawatt of electricity, and then there's a certificate that says, "Oh, there's a megawatt of electricity." Mm-hmm. When you sell that electricity, you sell you're essentially selling the, the certificate with it. Yes. And, um, but then a bunch of people found out that well, in in my state, um, there's not a renewable. There's there is no RVS law. There's no particular advantage. To producing a renewable energy, um, but what I can do is I can sell the electricity into the system wherever it is. Uh, but I can then take these certificates and I can sell these certificates separately, which is um, not ethical and maybe illegal, right? Well, no, it's actually quite legal. Okay. And, 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 but what, what, what you're, you're you're right is is that it, it doesn't mean anything, right? Okay. It's like uh, here's. We produce the electricity that's renewable, but selling that certificate to somebody else doesn't create any more renewable energy. So in Illinois, they, they, they basically went to frack natural gas and bought a lot of these wrecks. Okay. So 
the fact that they bought a lot of these uh, these wrecks meant that there was no real demand, uh, you know, for people who are directly producing renewable energy. Because um, the energy itself costs money, but the wrecks are extremely cheap. So mm. it actually suppressed it suppressed wind power in Illinois because everybody was buying all these wrecks from somewhere else. Number two was that after uh, after uh, after a while, um, the utility basically began to get rid of its old contracts and whatnot, and was able to compete better. So, in most all cases, uh, these community choice programs uh, just sort of had, first of all, a very negative impact. And although they offered some cheaper energy initially. Uh, that all caught up with them. So it was sort of a disaster. It didn't really mean anything mm. except for things that were negative. So that's the, that's the bad example where you, you're, you're buying, you're encouraging fracking, mm-hmm. you're discouraging renewable energy, and you're saying that it's community choice, and that's, that's great. That's, that's not our idea. So the better example uh, would, or the, probably the extreme opposite of that, is uh, the community choice uh, program that is uh, just got up and running in Alameda County. That's in the East Bay uh, of San Francisco, the East Bay of San Francisco, okay. uh, where it's not the first community choice program in California by a long shot, but it was set up specifically uh, to meet uh, particular uh, social and economic needs. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the ability to procure electricity means that you you can procure it from somewhere out in the desert, but it means you can also build it locally. Um, and uh, so the whole thrust of the community choice uh, program that uh, just rolled out to uh, a million and a half customers at the beginning of this month, by the way, oh. uh, the, the the whole thrust of that program from the beginning was that it would uh, focus on uh, moving from uh, to local renewable energy development, and these are all kinds of resources, um, both uh, both energy generation, electricity generation, and also uh, demand reduction and, and stuff like that. So to really have a much more efficient electricity system. But so uh, it was all based on uh, local investment and developing local resources. And using electricity as an economic development engine, you know, energy as a, a local economic development engine for local investment and jobs and, and so on and so forth. And also as a way of trying to uh, uh, reduce greenhouse gas emissions, uh, but also to adjust, you know, address questions of equity where uh, the communities that have been most uh, impacted by fossil fuel development mm-hmm. uh, would also, you know, be recognized as, as having a, a big stake in renewable energy and, and programs be designed that way. Uh, so we just launched, so of course we don't have too much to show yet, but okay. there was a, a year spent in developing what's called a local development business plan, which is a plan uh, for how uh, to move from uh, uh, procured, uh, you know, remotely procured energy, which is what you have to start with over five and ten years, into uh, uh, a high percentage of, of local resources uh, that get developed. So a plan was actually put for, together to do that, and that's the plan that's uh, being implemented uh, now. So that's So that's the opposite in the sense that 
it's uh, creating community choice is a re- real vehicle for economic development in the community to address historic questions of inequity um, and to also uh, really f- reflect uh, uh, the community in the shaping and in the running of the program. Uh, there's a community advisory committee that's set up um, uh, that has had a, a very strong influence in the policies and the shaping of the program. And uh, the chair of the community advisory committee actually sits on the governing board. <clears throat> in our case, it's a joint powers authority, so it sits on the governing board uh, of the agency, and, and, it's, and it's had a really good effect. So that would be like what I would say is sort of the other end of the, the spectrum where mm-hmm. where community choice is really seen as a way of uh, democratizing energy production and the sense of having a real community uh, kinds of control and really meeting uh, direct uh, community needs. In the East Bay, there's a lot of need for uh, jobs and economic development and stuff like that. And so that's the way the uh, program has been designed. And and then if you look at the other 19 uh, community choice programs in California, uh, there's quite a spectrum of the extent to which some are just acting like uh, like the regular investor-owned utilities. They're just uh, buying and selling electricity. And others which have much more of a, a, a social program uh, associated with them. So and what a, a determines that? <clears throat> is that like uh, based on how the law is written, or is that based on who's in charge of the CCA? It's based on how organized the community uh, is. Okay. Basically, you can think of a community choice as a vehicle, mm-hmm. but where that vehicle goes uh, depends all on you know different political interests and and who is dominant so okay uh so that that's what that's what determines that in the in the early days of community choice these programs were uh vehemently appro- opposed by the investor-owned utilities mm-hmm. um, uh they still are vehemently opposing them but they've used different tactics in california they first tried to kill it with a state a state proposition in 2010 and then they tried to kill it with a uh uh, legislative uh, law in 2014, uh, and now they're killing it. Uh, they're trying to kill it through the state uh, regulatory agency, the California uh, Public Utilities Commission, which is a uh, you know it's heavily dominated by the by the utility interest, and so they're using that agency uh, and regulation now to try to kill community choice. Um, uh, but uh, basically, because of the battles that have been won by advocates. Uh, you know, we went from one community choice program around 2010 uh, to 19 of them now in um, in 2018. So that's been it's been marching ahead, but it's a constant battle. Now, to get more to your original question, uh, then what if if these community choice programs see themselves as uh, developers of local renewable energy resources, uh, and especially you know trying to develop solar and wind and, you know, uh, some demand reduction and whatnot, but locally, then what that is, is a, a, that's the potential for having a big spurt in, uh, in, in the development of uh, smaller-scale, community-based uh, solar renewable energy. Um, and so, uh, you, you know, so that's, that's, certainly, that's certainly true. I mean, there are, you know, a lot of 
utilities themselves and whatnot are trying to invest in big solar farms and stuff like that uh, that are outside of most of the community. So it's more about the type of solar development that's involved. Uh, what community tries to offer is the possibility of uh, a lot of more local development and much more use of the built environment to, to develop solar uh, as opposed to either converting farmlands or uh, sensitive ecosystems to solar development. So are we talking um, like small-scale community solar farms or and or rooftop solar too? Yeah, we're talking about uh, all kinds of things. So we're talking mm-hmm. about uh, you know, individual buildings putting behind the meter solar up through, you know, net metering laws, which have come under heavy attack across the country. But um, so that's, you know, so on, on the one level, community-based solar can be just on individual buildings. But uh, then there are, there's, there's, there's quite a lot of capacity, uh, even within urbanized areas, to build larger uh, facilities that that are not that they could be on the roof of like a big box uh, storage mm-hmm. store house or something like that, where um, uh, you, you can put up behind you can put solar behind the meter, but the the facility itself doesn't really need that much energy. So you're really there's a potential for developing energy that could be used, you know, just by the purchased, uh, you know, by the community choice program itself. Or you know parking lots or rights of ways or I mean we did a as part of the the local development business plan that I referred to um, you know one of the steps in developing that plan was to do you know assessments of the potential for uh, solar and wind and uh, and other resources uh, you know and there's quite a high potential for developing these resources since they're smaller scale than the big utility stuff they're oftentimes uh, a little bit more expensive for uh, for a kilowatt installed mm-hmm. uh, than what you get out in the, the really large mm-hmm. utility scale, but uh, but the overall economics is much better because you're uh, providing uh, economic growth in the community and jobs and everything like that. So mm-hmm. uh, so there's definitely it's it's definitely all based around a cost benefit analysis as opposed to just a cost analysis uh, alone, which is the way the utilities think about things. They're only interested in the cost, but mm-hmm. in community choice, it's really a cost-benefit, like where to invest uh, with the Vegas Bank. So, and it's a lot of that, and it's also a lot of uh, a lot of interest in um, what's called, you know, shared solar facilities, mm-hmm. which are typically not behind the meter uh, either, or they're maybe behind somebody's. They might be on somebody's roof, but they're you know it's basically electricity produced you know and sold uh, into the system. But the beneficiaries of that can be uh, a set of subscribers you know who buy into the system. So they're like you know it's it generically called uh, you know virtual net metering or uh, solar gardens or stuff like that. There's a few states. Uh, that have strong uh, community shared solar kind of laws. Colorado and uh, New York, uh, Massachusetts, uh, uh, Minnesota, and stuff like that. So a lot of that development can be done also. So we call it generally in front of the meter, uh, but it's still within the urban environment. That's sort of the story at the high level, I think. Um, It's definitely a boon for 
uh, solar development, it's usually smaller scale uh, type facilities, mm-hmm. maybe a couple hundred kilowatts in size or up to a megawatt or two, um, and you know, distributed on in areas or rooftops or wherever uh, solar can be put up, but uh, where the investment is uh, is local investment and the jobs are local and the, and the benefits are local and the ownership could also be much more localized. CCAs can also integrate other innovative solar programs, like solar group buys and community shared solar installations, to increase solar production in a region. Yeah, in, in terms of this sort of collaborative kind of procurement, there's some. It, it actually goes beyond the normal, um, you know, sort of uh, cooperative purchasing because the agency itself uh, it can take a, a a pretty strong role. Like it can say, for example, here's a uh, here's a, a neighborhood or something like that, and the uh, the agency can say, well, let's let's go out and 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 see which buildings there you know qualify for solar installation. It could do a lot of the upfront work, you know, of of, of setting all this up. Uh, you know, it's not actually part of the contract, but mm-hmm. uh, but but it's an initiative to encourage that the development. And then uh, off of the development, uh, it's sort of like a revolving loan fund. Like you, you, you uh, create a situation where there's a, a certain percentage that comes back to the agency for the development, and then that percentage is invested in qualifying and laying the groundwork for new developments as well. So what it does is it takes a lot of the, uh, you know, in a lot of cases people don't put solar on the roof because. Uh, you know, there's a lot of upfront work in trying to figure out will will it work and, and which installer to use and whatnot. But by by pulling a lot of these projects together into a collaborative kind of procurement, and if that's done by the agency, then a lot of that risk is taken off of the individual parties, and it makes the whole job uh, in the long run uh, cheaper uh, than it would have been. So that's another kind of win-win that can come from. Uh, having a stronger uh, public role in uh, developing uh, solar in the community. Community choice legislation must be passed at the state level in order to require state IOUs to cooperate with the formation of CCAs. After CCA legislation is passed at the state level, each city or county in the state can form its own CCA as a local ordinance. Once the ordinance is passed, an agency must be formed to create and manage the CCA. For CCAs to be successful, they must be set up as opt-out programs. That means consumers in an area where a CCA is set up are automatically enrolled in the program, instead of automatically enrolled with the regional IOU. Uh, and actually, the law in 2014 that tried to kill community choice that I mentioned earlier on, uh, the whole thrust of the law was to, it was to change, change the community choice law to make community choice an opt-in program. And every and everybody understood that that would just kill it. You couldn't do it. But it was good public relations because they said, uh, you know, community choice is hostile to the community because it's it's you know it's it's already enrolling people in a program without permission, uh, which was which was clever. But they never mentioned that that's what happened originally as well. Anyway, it was a very bitter battle, and uh, and. Uh, and we we basically created a coalition of 200 organizations that opposed that bill. Even though the the two largest political entities in the state, 
uh, meaning the 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 the, uh, the utilities and uh, the state labor federation uh, were in favor of the bill, uh, and the the state labor federation was because the utility workers unions uh, basically sided with the utilities because they saw it as uh, undercutting the power and the um, you know of the uh, of the utilities. That was a bitter battle, but we actually won that battle. And, and and it was that win that gave a huge spurt to the growth of community choice uh, in California. Typically, CCAs have different levels to choose from, so the overseeing agency would decide which level would be the default, and then consumers can choose to stay at that level, change their rate plans to another level, or enroll back with the IOU. Katie Davis, chair of the Santa Barbara, California chapter of the Sierra Club, said Ventura County actually set its CCA default level as 100% renewable energy. The program launches in 2019. I'm a chair of the Santa Barbara Sierra Club, so the, the, uh, it's with the Los Padres chapter, so it's Santa Barbara and Ventura counties. And um, a number of our cities, so Santa Barbara, for instance, is one of them, has set a goal of 100% renewable energy by 2030. I think almost 100 cities in the U.S. have, have have done that kind of set really ambitious renewable energy goals, mm-hmm. um, and and community choice is really the only way that communities you can do that community wide and achieve you know renewable like more renewable energy faster than the default utilities and 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 uh, then you know what's mandated in the state mm-hmm. um, you know since then California has, has set a goal too but it's twenty forty five and I think the way they can get there and the way they can accelerate it is if more communities kind of step up and, and, and go even faster, which is easier at a local level. And really the only way they can do that is with community choice. So we've um, long been advocating uh, to look at it. I mean, the other advantage of community choice is that instead of those, those, those profits going back to the utilities, it's a, it's a locally owned for the local benefit organization and they can take that money and invest it in programs within the community that increase um, renewable energy. And a lot of that here certainly is solar, um, solar and battery. Um, we have you know, a ton of sun <laughs> in mm-hmm. California. It's very sunny here. So that is a, a really perfect thing to encourage and community choices is a way they can do that. I mean, creative about encouraging rooftop solar and do things that the that the utilities just aren't necessarily pushing. And and by competing with the utilities, they're actually pushing the utilities to do more and to move um, faster towards renewable energy as well, which is what our communities want. In Los Angeles, um, they had, LA County had an effort called the Clean Power Alliance. That's a new community choice program that actually is started up in new community, and there's a bunch of, it's gonna be the largest community choice program um, Certainly in California, maybe in the country, it's because it's L.A. County and Ventura County and like 30 cities. <laughs> um, and that the really interesting thing there is um, an, an example of what you can do with a community choice program is each of the municipalities gets to decide what what's their default. Like if because when they launch this community choice, um, basically everybody's enrolled in that. Um, and if they want, they can stay, they can switch back to the utility. So it's, so it's, it's, opt it's out, choice and right. there is, there is challenge. Yeah, there's opt okay. out and you can choose what plan you want. Do you want, um, a plan that's 36% renewable energy, 50% renewable energy, 
for a little bit more okay. or 100% renewable energy for a little bit more than that. Okay. And each community in each county can decide what's your default. So if people don't choose a plan, um, what are we going to put people into? And then they can they can switch on their own and not, you know, choose. Um, and, and the interesting thing there is that um, Ventura County and actually most of the cities in Ventura County um, have opted for 100% renewable energy as their default tier when they launched Community Choice in 2019. So what that means, and, and the nice thing about it is the way they set it up is the low-income low folks that are in, the, in that program, the discount program with um, Southern California Edison is our utility, will keep paying that same price, but they'll get whatever the default tier is. So those people will get 100% renewable energy plan, but pay the same price they're paying now for like a 30% renewable energy plan. And everyone else, it's really, I mean, because I think we la has got this it's got a lot you know we've got desert <laughs> nearby mm-hmm. we've got um pretty low cost renewable energy it's all it's only the hundred percent tier is only like seven to nine percent more than the um than the default now than the current cost and it's five percent less than the southern california edison has this super expensive green tier so it's less than it's quite a bit less than what the utility is had which was really unsuccessful they kind of half-heartedly launched, offered something and nobody knows about it and nobody chooses it. And I think it's going away. <laughs> this, when they launch, when Ventura County launches their community choice, basically they're going to say which plan you want, but the default is 100% renewable energy, um, you know, which is like maybe a few dollars more than you would pay. And if you don't want to pay that, then you don't have to. You can swap down to a 50% renewable plan for essentially what you're paying now for the utility. So it's a good, it's a good deal. Um, and you know we we pointed out a lot of people pointed out because this this decision these decisions came after the IPCC report saying we've got to act now like within this decade and really accelerate um, away from fossil fuels. And there was a poll recently in California that said that most people want to see action on climate change, even um, even if it costs more. That majorities of, of Californians support that. So we're saying this is, you know, actually this is the default that people are asking for. They want us to accelerate um, in California. That's, that's, that is what people want. That's not, I mean, it is, yes, let's save the planet and do our part and step up now that we're and listen to the international community of scientists, but let's also protect our communities from pollution, local air pollution, and um, provide clean energy jobs. So it's, all, it's a combination of all those things. And that kind of local control, only it's only possible with a program like a community choice program. As I understand it, there's community choice laws on the books in a number of states across the country. What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on community choice programs in where I am in Ohio and other places mm-hmm. that are not as like solar and renewable proficient yet? Do you see, like, any mm-hmm. challenges or benefits to those places? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's something that people should, should look at, and, and, and it's, a great, it's a great way to experiment locally and see what can be done and what programs could be done to, to accelerate renewable energy. And the, and the 100 cities that I talked about that have set, the, set goals um, are across the United States, certainly not just in California, but, but in you know, most of the states. Mm-hmm. So 
all of those places are figuring out how are we how are we going to do this and um, community choice is an interesting mechanism um, you know there are certainly other kinds of programs community solar programs and um, you know other other options um, and I think it's really important to look at the public utilities commissions in these states and make sure they're allowing this kind of um, innovation and and competition and um, create create you know creative uh, actions at, mm-hmm. at the community level because that's really it we do have to accelerate a transition to renewable energy and it's going to be different the solution and the mixture of um, um, energy sources is going to be different in different places and we all have to figure that out on a local level and so empowering community by community is a really good way to do it. Ohio was one state that passed CCA legislation in 1999. Athens, Ohio County Commissioner Chris Chamil was elected in 2012, a year when fracking natural gas was poised to boom in his county. Chris said Athens County is split between environmentally minded residents and residents in extreme poverty. Some citizens deeply opposed fracking while others welcome the new opportunity to make money on gas. Chris told me in an email that walking that fine line between those two extremes prompted him to try to approach energy in a broader and more proactive way. And that's when he learned about CCAs. The County Commissioners Association of Ohio has a program that helps communities get CCA ordinances on the ballot and passed. Chris worked with the group to successfully create a CCA for Athens County, the city of Athens, and the village of Amesville, called SOPEC. SOPEC worked out a deal with the local IOU, AEP Ohio, to offer 26% savings from the cost to compare at the time. But at the same time, the marketplace was headed toward auctions, and the deal did not turn out to be that great. Chris hasn't abandoned hope for the CCA, but he does see a need for possible statewide policy changes that will ensure that CCA programs truly benefit the citizens they serve. SOPEC Executive Director Eddie Smith added that a major hurdle with starting the CCA was consumer misunderstanding about energy markets. Eddie said communities often believe that bulk purchasing through a CCA achieves a lower energy supply rate for customers, but that's not necessarily true. Eddie said the energy market works similarly to the health insurance market, with CCA programs determining the expected cost of energy by examining the underlying risks of the aggregated group. Those risks are determined by looking at historic usage data, weather data, and other figures for each customer, like load factor and peak load contribution. However, Eddie praised CCAs for their ability to create real local policy benefits for communities. CCA programs like SOPEC can help communities with the programming needed to increase renewable penetration and energy efficiency measures. For example, communities can institute carbon pricing at the local level and increase the CCA program rate deliberately to account for some of the cost of carbon emissions. That extra revenue can then be used to decrease the cost of solar for the public sector. Using CCA as a local policy mechanism does not create an administrative burden on the utility company or require an agreement with the utility, Eddie told me in an email. The ball is entirely in the local government's court. There's really no other public programming in Ohio that has so much local autonomy for impacting public policy with regard to sustainable energy. Putting energy procurement in public hands holds a lot of promise for renewable growth and solar contractors. 
Installers should advocate for CCA legislation at the state level and then work in their communities to launch CCA programs that build more local clean energy and local green jobs. I'm Kelsey Missbrenner with Solar Power World. <laughs>